Guys, are you joking? I've just recorded this whole episode and now you've woken up. Welcome to episode 6 of Humans Are Worse. I want to start off this episode by thanking everyone who got in touch with me over the past week. I kind of forgot how tiring adulting is. My two weeks of quarantining was just so calm and then I started back at work. And I forgot what it was like getting up when it's still dark outside. But I'm back. I'm on track. I've sorted my life out so you will be getting regular episodes. I feel like if I say that and put it out to the universe, I kind of have to do it, so bear with me. I'm going to get there, eventually. Since I am still trying to figure things out and get a schedule sorted, I do just want to let everyone know that the episodes in which I'm fact-checking crime fiction are going to start in the new year. This is simply because I want them to be the best that they can be I don't want to rush it. I don't want to feel like I don't have enough time. So just know they are coming. And I guess this just gives me enough time to think of kind of a quirky name for the segment, I guess. You guys have been hyping me up so much. Please continue on with that. But if you could also share about the podcast and maybe leave a review, it'll just really help it get out there. And maybe we can kind of start a cult. This episode may also be a lot quieter. The cats are completely conked out right now. Let's see if they stay that way. So winter is well and truly upon us. It's freezing cold here and dark, basically constantly. Norman's a big baby so he keeps waking me up in the middle of the night as he tries to get under the duvet with me. But sometimes I sleep with a weighted blanket on top and he just can't seem to figure out how to get under there without crushing himself. Now Clarice is a lot more independent. I mean, she's still not quite sure about me even stroking her. But she does like to come over and sleep with me sometimes. The other night I woke up to Norman trying to force his way into the bed with me, opened my eyes and Clarice's face was right there. She'd fallen asleep on my chest and I hadn't even noticed. Which is kind of terrifying when it's only just been Halloween and then in the dark I could just see this white figure and these bright blue eyes glaring at me. I could never bear to move her though because I just don't know when the next time she's going to give me attention is. And sometimes when I come home from work I can't even find the cats. And I always have to check under the duvet before I sit on my bed because most of the time they're hiding under there and you know that they've been there all day because you could just see a ring of cat hair where they've been sleeping. The whole cat hair situation is getting to be kind of a joke. It is quite nice to see where they've been throughout the day though. You can kind of follow the hairs as if they're little breadcrumbs. But the other day I came home and I actually found a bald spot on the back of one of Norman's legs. Really freaked me out when I first saw it to be honest. And when I looked closer, I could see two little vampire teeth marks, most likely from Clarice. They've obviously got a lot rougher with their playing. But I checked him out. He's all good, no damage done. We went about our days. 
And of course, with it being very cold, I later decided to put some fluffy socks on. It's the ultimate wardrobe essential. So I open the drawer and out the corner of my eye, I see something move and I freak out. I jump back and I'm of course thinking this is a spider. And I'm like, okay, be calm. If it's a spider, I can deal with that. I look into the drawer and it's not a spider at all. It's the clump of hair that's missing from Norman's leg. And now Norman's giving me cuddles. So I might have to pause recording for a little while because otherwise you're just going to hear this. That is the sound of a weirdo suckling on my blanket. (laughs) But he's so cute. Hey mister, are you going to go back to sleep so that I can record? Hmm? Go on, go to sleep. Have a sleep. Oh, goodbye. Norman, step away from the laptop. Go on, get down. Get down. I had a cat growing up called Jinx, who I actually have tattooed on my leg. But she was very long-haired and she would leave clumps of fur throughout the entire house. My mum always made a joke saying, Oh look, the cats had kittens. And I would get so excited. And it's just a lump of, of cat hair. But how lovely must it have been to think that a clump of hair was a kitten rather than a spider. If Clarice starts molting by the time Christmas comes around, at least I can just pass it off as snowy decorations. But with that, let's get on to why humans are worse. So it's the 7th of October 1994 on Prince Edward Island in Canada. The police are called about a car that's just been abandoned in the middle of a field. And when they get there, they find that the number plates are missing. And inside, there's blood spatter mostly on the windscreen, but really throughout the whole car. Using the car's serial number, they found that it belonged to 32-year-old and mother of five, Shirley Anne Duguay. She'd not been seen by her family for several days. However, she hadn't actually been reported missing, because supposedly this was kind of a thing. She would go missing for a few days and then just come back. A little while later, they found a pillow near to the car that also had blood on it. And see, Shirley was actually only four foot nine, so she kind of needed a little boost when she was driving. Because the police didn't have a sample of Shirley's DNA, they took a sample from her father in order to compare this to the blood in the car. And unfortunately, they found a match. Well, is it fortunately? Like, I'm glad they figured it out, but... I can't really say I'm glad to hear that it's hers. So right away, the police's attention went to her ex-partner, Douglas Beamish. They'd been together for 12 years and had three kids together, but they'd been separated for the past 18 months. And Douglas simply said that he believed that she'd gone because she'd left him. But Shirley's dad spoke of abuse that was happening during the relationship so police really kept a watchful eye on him. A huge search was underway for Shirley, with the police even using psychics to try and get more information. Now, I love a good psychic, but I'm not entirely sure if their word would stand up in trial. 
I'll really have to look into that. I mean, a ghost once testified? Meh, so I guess crazier things have happened. Half a mile from Shirley's car, a shovel was found that had two long dark hairs on it. When compared to Shirley's hair from her hairbrush, the police determined that it was, again, microscopically similar. Now, I'm not going to get into that again. You can listen to the previous episode. But all I'm saying is, doesn't really prove a lot, does it? However, something that does give the police a little bit of information. A plastic bag was found in the forest 15 miles from her car. There were running shoes in it and a leather jacket covered in blood. And you guessed it, that blood belonged to Shirley. So friends stated that they believed the jacket might belong to Douglas, but they really had no proof. But when the police asked Douglas what size shoe he was, it matched the running shoes. So they were able to take a mould of his feet. This was used to determine the pressure points in his feet that would cause wear on the trainers, since everyone walks in a slightly different way. But turns out, Douglas really did have a unique way of walking. His feet were turned in slightly, and one of his toes was actually curved upwards, and therefore a specialist determined that this would cause scratch marks on the upper inside of the shoe. And of course, when the shoe was split open, there it was. But so what? He wore the shoes. That doesn't mean that he's a murderer. Gonna have to do a little bit better than that. So there are a number of ways to figure out who has worn a jacket. And I'm assuming they did these. But I've looked everywhere online and I can't find any results. So I'm gonna assume that they were crap. Which does happen quite a lot. Finding DNA from something that's just been touched is actually pretty unreliable. I mean, you can get really good results from it, obviously. But there's just so many factors that go into whether or not you will get a good DNA profile. Everyone sheds skin cells at a different rate. But even just think about the difference in what people actually wear under jackets. Whether it's a strappy vest top are a full-on jumper. Those two conditions are going to make all the difference. But luckily, the jacket wasn't completely useless. When examining the jacket, they found about 20 hairs in the lining. And I've read online that initially they thought that these were Douglas's hairs, but that doesn't really make sense considering they were white and his hair was like a dark brown colour. But... If there's hairs from someone else that's not Douglas, maybe this is the real killer. So they had a look at the hairs down a microscope and found that they weren't human hairs at all. They were actually cat fur. So there are some features that cat hair has, well animal hair in general has, that human hair just doesn't. Animal hair is a lot thinner and tapered towards the end whereas human hair is usually cut. There's also the medulla, or medulla, as I said throughout university, which is a lot thicker in animal hair than it is in human. But we're looking for a killer here. So cat hair, ugh, useless. Well, it 
turns out that when police were interviewing Douglas at his parents' house, one of the officers recalled that there was actually a white cat present. But there's thousands of white cats, so they had to come up with a way of figuring out if the hair was from that white cat. Who was called Snowball, by the way. I mean, it's no Clarice, but it's a cute name. Oh, speak of the devil and she shall appear. And she's gone back to her food bowl. I swear this cat pays me no attention. So in order to compare this hair with Snowball, they decided that they had to get a blood sample. And I read some articles that explained they confiscated the cat. (laughs) But one of the police officers said that this wasn't actually that easy. They chased poor Snowball around the house for 30 minutes. Now, if that was Norman, he'd be no problem at all. But God, good luck catching Clarice. There's actually a uh, there's actually a video of an interview with Shelley's dad where he explains about the police coming to him and telling him what they're doing. They actually said to him that they went there to read this cat its rights. <laughs> and when Shelley's dad asked, what did the cat say? Their reply was, meow. (laughs) This is a murder investigation, guys. (laughs) So cat DNA analysis just wasn't a thing. But lucky, but luckily, they managed to get in touch with someone from, here's another word that I say not, say wrong, Laboratory of Genomic Diversity. Well, I butchered that. So they, were wor- so they were able to work out a method to extract the DNA from one root found on one cat hair that they'd collected. The fact that a hair has a root is so important. For DNA analysis, not only does a hair have to have a root, but it has to be in the correct, go- it has to be in the correct growth stage for optimal DNA results. Gosh, my stomach's rumbling. I hope this microphone isn't picking it up. So they managed the DNA analysis. They found out that Snowball was a match. However, their concern was that there were thousands of cats on this island. And it was so isolated that interbreeding definitely would be a thing. And this would greatly reduce the genetic diversity. Meaning that the DNA profile could arguably come from any of these cats. So in order to figure out how unique this genetic identity was, they took 20 cats from around the island and compared this also against the profile. Now if those cats took half an hour each to catch, that's a lot of time and a lot of manpower. (laughs) But from this they found that there was actually a lot of genetic variation, which was great because they were able to say that it was more than likely that this DNA came from Snowball. Now I just want to take a really quick moment to appreciate how cool this is. I mean, the first conviction using human DNA was only seven years earlier. And this paved the way for future criminal proceedings. The US and the UK now have both cat and dog DNA bases, DNA databases, which actually, kind of confuses me is that pets 
committing crimes or... Snowball even has his own encyclopedia page. But it's time to kill the mood again. A few months later, in May, a fisherman found the body of Shirley Duguay in a shallow grave. Her hands were tied behind her back. She had been beaten. Her nose was broken. Her jaw was broken in three places. And a tooth was actually embedded into her lungs. Which I can only guess that it was broken and she inhaled it. This genetic fingerprint, or genetic paw print, if you will, <laughs> allowed the police to arrest Douglas Beamish for the murder of Shirley Gu- Oh my gosh, for the murder of Shirley Duguay. So a trial was conducted in July of 1996. And during this, an ex-partner of Douglas actually took the stand and said that he was abusive towards her as well. It was also made known that a note was found in which Douglas had threatened to kill Shirley over custody of their children. And the whole one-page note was written in blood. Now, I don't know whose blood this was. My guess is it was probably animal's blood only used to scare whoever was reading it. What they did find was that some of the blood in the car was actually mixed and they found that this was blood that matched both Shirley and Douglas. And yeah, this is great evidence, but it's a good job they collected everything else first because this one little piece of blood isn't going to hold up in court. He could always give the excuse of, well, yeah, it's my ex-partner's car. I used to be in it all the time. That's why my blood's in there. I had a nosebleed. I had a cut leg. Quick disclaimer, I'm not telling you to use these excuses. They will not hold up in a court of law. Initially, Douglas has said that the jacket did not belong to him. He'd never seen it before. So this leads on to my favourite piece of evidence in this whole case. Never mind the cat hair. This is where it's at. Police produced a photograph taken the day before Shirley disappeared, and in it, Douglas is wearing a jacket identical to the one that was found. See, the police can do a fabulous job. I'd actually paid to see this guy's face when that picture was produced in court. Douglas was charged with second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. In 2013, he was denied parole as the judge said that he didn't understand why he acted violently in the first place and therefore he may do it again in future. My cat's hair may get everywhere, but at least they're not implicating me in a murder. Guess that's another reason why humans are worse. Want to prove me wrong? Send me an email and let me know what kind of crimes your furry fiend is committing. I'd also love it if you could send me some crime fiction for me to fact check on the show. Just send an email to humansareworse at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Instagram at humansareworsepodcast. podcast.